just weird when I tried to do it that one time. Just so. weird when you tried to do it. That's just that sounds about right. That sounds like yeah, sounds like how things are supposed to work. An old you know Phil town. You know what else is weird when you try to do it? What's that? Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Pixelit. My name is Kevin. With me, as always, is Phil. And today we're finishing Alan Wake. Hell Alan yeah. Wake by Rick Burrows, a novel. Um. <laughs> Rick Burrows, the fakey fakerson. The fakey fakerson. A not uh, real person who wrote a the real The not real, real person, book. the the 100% uh, Sam uh, Jarvie, yeah. Sam <laughs> Lake, um, pseudonym. So, you know, we'll... We're gonna we're gonna get get right to it. We're gonna put the body in the mosh. Let's do on it. This one, because this book is gonna be in the mosh when it, when we're done. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it it works out very nicely in that sense. It works out very nicely. Uh, mosh, body of water, you know, potato, potato. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Uh, so we're picking it up at chapter 19. Um. So where we last left off, they had just gotten into a car accident. Uh. Alan shuffles down the hill and finds Barry even further down, and they're uh, but they're separated, and they have to hoof it to the Anderson farm. On the way, Barry is attacked by the Taken and has to defend himself using a flare gun, and he gets pretty like, "Woo, yeah, don't mess with New Yorkers, baby." Yeah, it gets a little. It <laughs> this is not the first or last time this happens in this book, but it it gets a little goofy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a touch goofy. A little goofy. Goof-tastic. Um, along the way, Wake has a vision of the diver who tells him that he is trying to deliver each manuscript page to him at the right time and place. There is a plan. There is a plan, sort of like the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> there, there was a plan. But as the seasons went along, we realized there was no plan. And... Earth. Earth. Um, that was you know, the plan, yeah. kind of. <laughs> ancient, ancient alien. It's funny. It, it's it's funny to, to to think we were on. Uh, it's probably not aliens. When basically Battlestar Galactica is uh, the ending of Battlestar Galactica is ancient alien theory. It's basically yeah. It's just setting all that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, uh, Afterwards, Wake gets a page about the shoebox, which would continue to exist uh, despite Zane having written himself out of his existence. Um, and then Wake has an encounter with a harvester that feels very rote and not tense at all. No, it it was. I mean, I remember that boss fight. I remember those encounters and stuff like that. Always the big growling, angry vehicle. You've got a jog around and and somehow bring down and those were pretty effective boss fights and this this doesn't really hold up to the to the game in, a, no. in this situation no it's like alan points his flashlight at it yeah next sentence he points it at it again and it's defeated and, I'm like, and it's done okay yeah I, I mean i guess i guess it has become a little tedious the process sure. of shine the light, shoot it, shine the light, shoot it throughout the book. Because at least in the game, you're playing and you're having fun you're yeah. doing it. Um, right. But yeah, this is a little abrupt. And they could have come up with something else. They could have. Yeah. But they didn't. They didn't. No. 
Um, Rick Burrows. Ah. Ah, I'll get you, Rick Burrows. Ah. Next time. Um, The chapter ends with a scene. (laughs) (laughs) Next time. Next time. (laughs) Next time. Um, Chapter ends with a scene that is probably um, the best moment in the game but doesn't read nearly as fun in the book. No. And I'm not sure what could have been done to make it better. I, I, yeah, this, this one I don't think it was. Chapter. The, yeah, I don't yeah. think this is the author's fault in this situation. It was such, just such a fun game moment. So It's such an awesome game moment. So basically to break it down, you fight the harvester, you, get, uh, you cut across the field, you get to the stage in the Anderson Brothers farm, the literal stage that they would perform at. And... You get on there, and there's all these taken flooding in after you. And um, as you're fighting them off, Barry is in the background, like, firing up the pyrotechnics and the music and the lights. And you have this, you know, you have this, you have this, like, heavy metal uh, going in the background, like, eight, well, 80s, you know, hair metal. And it's, yep. you know, it's like, and you're like bl- blasting and shooting and the lights are flying and the pyrotechnics are going. And it's an awesome moment in the game. It's actually probably it's the best moment in the in the entire it's, game. It's it's easily the most memorable moment of the of the entire game and probably the most fun too. So Yeah. I don't know how they were gonna translate that into the book and make it even a quarter as effectively fun. It it just doesn't work that way sometimes. So no. I, I, I hold nothing against Burroughs for this one. That one, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Burroughs. Burroughs. Quotation marks. <laughs> Burroughs. If that is your real if name. If that is your real name, and it's not. It's totally. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, there, basically, there's, it's, it's page, pages after pages of describing this encounter, this rock and roll encounter from the stage in the book, and it's. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did his best, but it's not great. Um, it's, it's just not. It's not the same format, you know. It's not. No, it's, it's not. not gonna work. It, 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 it's not gonna work. I think yeah. that's that's. It really is. It speaks to the difference between a video game and a book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that interactivity it's, is what makes this moment. You know, um, absolutely. It could have. It could be pulled off maybe in a movie. Yes, uh, I was just going to in a more visual medium it would absolutely ver- work but you yeah. know when you're when you're being more thoughtful and introspective which is what the power of the written word is then it doesn't yeah. quite work just to describe fireworks going off and Barry to be air guitaring and shit. Right. Uh the chapter ends with like a manuscript segment about Agent Nightingale also known as the most underdeveloped plot in the game and the book. What the uh, fuck, right? <laughs> I, I just don't know. I don't know what... It, it, it goes nowhere. It does nothing. It, goes, it does nothing for me. No, nothing. <laughs> Chapter 20. Uh, Alan and Barry are chilling on the stage listening to Agent Nightingale's interactions with Hartman that were recorded because Hartman was annoyed by Nightingale. Um, Then they decide to cut through the barn, and they see the Anderson's full-size Viking ship in all its glory. 
hanging in there. And Barry finds a moonshine still, and he grabs a bottle of, of the good old moonshine. Yeah, white lightning. White lightning. Uh, they get into the Anderson house, and while Alan looks around, uh, Barry sits down and starts drinking. <laughs> Can anyone tell me why this happens? <laughs> so why random. what happens they, they, they find moonshine to decide they're just get after everything that's happened they're just like let's just get fucked up on shine like i don't right and it's funny because it's like the andersons told him to drink the moonshine but there's no moment of realization that that's what he's supposed to do exactly he doesn't go oh right they told me to do this he just goes ah fuck it let's have us a drink it's so random and yeah, it didn't really make sense for It me. didn't work. The scene doesn't really work. It's just like, we're getting drunk now, I guess. I guess. <laughs> and it will provide us with uh, nothing. It'll it'll provide us with, like, magical illusion, send the storyline forward a handful of hours right. juice. That's pretty much what it is. That's what it does. Uh, they put on the record player while they're drinking, and uh, the record, the song that is on the record has lyrics about finding the lady of the night. Yes. Uh, lady of the light, rather. The lady of the night would be something completely different. Something completely um, different. Also fun and also something that uh, rock stars are, are partial to writing about, but just not this time. Roxanne! <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to put on that dress tonight! <laughs> um... I love Thank it. You sting. Um. <laughs> Thank you, Sting. It's it's crazy that you got him on for a cameo. Uh, at such yeah. late notice. Such Great. late notice, but uh, Sting and the police were the actually the whole the whole band was here. The police were and here they and they, they almost were. never get back together. It's great. They and never just, get back together. And, never. Uh, even though his his only real good work was with the police, and we've somehow been deluding ourselves to think. How did Desert we trick Rose. ourselves into thinking that that? This, His solo this, career is what we really wanted. What, and they were like, we just want the police sting. And he just, yeah, he just, ha, ha, uh, I mean, I, sorry, sting. I know you're still in the room. I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah. We're just, we're trying to, we're trying to help you out, buddy. We're, we're just as, as from one, uh, set of insanely successful entertainment, uh, uh, geniuses, uh, to a, a, a reasonably intelligent, uh, uh, musical yeah. guy you just gotta yeah. you gotta hear from us on this one you gotta hear from us listen to yeah. us uh reform the police but change the name because fucking yeah the police really yeah come on it doesn't come really on. fly in 2023 buddy no 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 especially not if you're uh, singing about roxanne yeah 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 i love that song <laughs> i really love that song <laughs> Uh, so he realizes that Cynthia Weaver is that lady, uh, and she has something that'll get him back into the cabin and then they pass out. Yeah. Yeah. From, it's... from drinking the moonshine, that moonshine. I, um, I, it made me think this is, this is a, a little tangent. I remember when I was younger and in, um, high school, I would play, uh, D and D and shit like that with my friends in chat rooms on AOL uh, because none of us could drive. And so we would just do chat rooms and stuff. And that was, that was the big thing at the time. Uh, cause it was 1990 and, uh, and that was just <laughs> what you did. And, but my parents didn't like me staying up late 
and playing D&D because they were still, my mother at least, still had uh, residual scars from the satanic panic. And I was sure. supposed to be in bed anyway, and we'd stay up until like two or three in the morning playing. And um, and so anytime it became a running gag, because anytime my mom would like start walking towards the the family communal computer room, I would write that my character passes out. And it became ah. this running gag that he had like narcolepsy or something like that. And they'd go, oh, okay, well, I guess Phil's out. So they'd have to get creative, do something with my body while they finished up the session. And that was immediately what I thought about. It. I was like, we're just, that's the end of that scene. I guess we'll drink some shine and boom, we're chapter whatever. It's, it's, that's it. Just, it that's it gave end. me flashbacks. Yeah. That's all. That's amazing. <laughs> AOL Instant Messenger. D and D actually it wouldn't have even been instant messenger. You would have just been in a chat room, right? We would just yeah. We just room. had a private chat room. We'd all meet up in, and we had some friends from out of town that we met through public gaming chat rooms. And that was back in the yeah. day where you would just go into free form role playing game chat rooms. And I'm a dragon. I'm a vampire. It's it 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 all. It you can take a direct line and connect that to the current like fan fiction subculture. It's all the same thing. Sure. Um, yeah. It, it's, and, and a lot of us were writing fan fiction anyway. So yeah, it, it's right. just, yeah. it's all the I same. Mean, were, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Time nothing. is a flat circle. It's true. The internet might have evolved, but uh, actually I, I do miss the days of the internet being a little bit weirder. Like it was the, like, it's, it's weird. Like, it has, it's like you could go out on a voyage on the internet and it, yeah. the internet was like a million tiny islands. You know, yes, there's exactly. some bigger ones like AOL or whatever, but it was like this, it was a million tiny islands out there for you to explore and uh, explore and find and, 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 and see new things. And now it's just like, I guess fucking open Twitter. Yeah, it's it's all very homogenous <laughs> now. You've got your apps and your shit that you and this is this is this is the old men uh, yelling at a cloud portion of the show. But if, if I know a lot of our listeners are are younger than us and at least one generation behind us, uh, and it's one of those things that if you've ever heard an older geek talk about how the internet back in the day was kind of like the wild west and you did not know what you were going to get to see and everything. Well, that was actually, that's a pretty good example of not knowing what the hell we're going to see. <laughs> what? Yeah. She's getting <laughs> scarier, man. Like, I don't know what. <laughs> you letting her read spooky books or something? She's... Um, I don't know what that. She watches too much YouTube, and sometimes <laughs> I think it just goes creepypasta route. Um, hey, hey, at least, at least she's watching YouTube and not Rotten.com, so... That was speaking of an yeah. island in the internet that was that's that was the thing is you had these like it's like how daring do you wish to be you right know? right and you had heard you heard tale of whispers of of rotten dot com yes like, what is, is rotten dot com and you wouldn't even dare to put in the URL. Yeah, you didn't or, or, or if you did, you'd head. see that first creepy image that was on the header, and you'd like, no, 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 and just turn it off immediately. It just, it was all, and and that's the thing. I I I do have a fondness for every now and then dipping my toe in the water of creepy pastas and shit like that because it comes from the same place, and I I recognize in them what they're trying to do. It's just. I feel like sometimes our version of that uh, was actually sometimes illegal 
Uh, so it was, there was yeah. there wasn't a lot of dark web in the AOL days, but just a just a dollop of it, just 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 a dollop of like like sour a, cream in the middle of a bowl of chili, just right mm, there. I, I could go for that. Yeah. Right <laughs> I might register sour cream in the Sounds middle good. of a bowl of chili dot com. It'll just be our shared ex- shared blog of of old internet experiences. I love it. I love it. I think that works. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're still talking about Alan Wake, though. I think. Yes, we are. Um, yes, we are. We're in. Uh, uh, oh, it's still at the end of chapter twenty. There's a, a manuscript segment where it's a uh, it's details about how the darkness got a hold of Rose. Yes. Um, so we're in chapter twenty one and. Alan has a dream or vision of the night he walked out on Alice and what happened next. Um, in the game, this is kind of done as like an out-of-body experience where you're like a ghost version of him. Yeah. Following the real version of him in the dream around and just seeing what happened. And you're like, no, stop doing that, you dummy. Um <laughs> So he was captured by the darkness in, and he was in the cabin and he was just forced to write whatever the darkness wanted. Uh, he just had to, to write this story. Um, and as he was writing the story, he eventually figured out that the darkness um, uh, believed in a thing called love. Um, <laughs> was using, I'm, I'm actually, uh, it's the dark presence, not the darkness. The yes. darkness is a band. Yes, um, a very good band, but a band a very nonetheless. Good band. I believe in a thing called love. Um, Just listen to the rhythm of your heart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, musicals. Um, oh, the best. Uh, the dark presence was using him, and he wrote himself an exit strategy from the story uh, using Thomas Zane to weaken her. Um, so he shows up with his light, and he uh, he weakens her, and he's... While she's distracted, he gets out of the cabin, ran to his car, drove, got into a car accident, and that's where he woke up from, is that car accident. As he wakes up from the dream, Agent Nightingale is pointing a gun at him. (laughs) Oh, this chapter ends. (laughs) Yeah. This chapter ends with a segment about Walter being scared of a man he saw on the porch. I don't understand. I didn't understand this. This I, didn't, I was hoping you were going to explain that one to me because I didn't follow that one either. Didn't follow it. Yeah. Um, chapter 22, uh, Alan and Barry are in jail. And yes. then Alan has finally. a vision. Yeah, finally. Our long national nightmare has come to an end. Alan has a vision of Cynthia Weaver saying that she has something that will be given when the time is right. Um, that's right. Her virginity. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Finally. Finally, we've come to the part in the book that Kevin and I were both waiting for, the hardcore pornography. I think we both knew that that was coming. Listen, we both knew there's no way that Alan hasn't, you know, written a little, a little erotica little romance as under yeah. a pseudonym, right? Absolutely he's, he's, not. He's got to pay the bills, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I doubt Alan he's Wake. good at it. I doubt he's good I doubt at he's it, good but he has it. done no. it. He has 100% done he it. Has, yeah. He has done it just yes. for a quick buck. Um, but the man has no Chuck Tingle. 
No, <laughs> no, no. And and you know what? One is enough anyway, so that's fine. Who? And also, who is? You know? No. Yeah. What? What, what are we supposed to hold ourselves? Hold like, ourselves to that standard? Are that's you kidding? Not fair. Come on. That's asking for burnout right there. Oh, you can't um, do that. Barry wakes up hungover, and uh, then Nightingale and Sheriff Breaker come in. Uh, the sheriff is asking Nightingale what exactly he's doing by arresting them. And then Nightingale starts talking about the manuscript and how Re- Wake is responsible for all the problems. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, while Breaker and Nightingale are going back and forth, uh, Wake slips into another vision of Bird Leg Cabin. Um, and then the sheriff stops and stops arguing with Nightingale and starts trying to shake uh, and snap Alan out of it. Uh, Nightingale freaks out and says the only way Alan is getting out of there is over his dead body. And then he stops because he remembers that he just read this scene. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> he just read the scene of the manuscript and he pulls out the page and then he... He gets abducted by a cloud of darkness out into the night, leaving the manuscript page behind. And in the manuscript page, it says, Nightingale says that <laughs> he's only leaving over his dead body. And then exactly what happens, happened. happens. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love the idea that he stops himself on it, where he's just like, he's like, wait a minute, where have I read that before? Oh, no. Oh, and just it's <laughs> carried away. Oh no! Um, uh, Spaceballs the movie. <laughs> We're really getting a lot of mileage out of out of that one tonight. Uh, oh, we always do. Always. Do. There's a segment at the end with Sarah Breaker thinking about how they may potentially win this fight. That it's weird because it's a segment that takes place in like two chapters from now, just from her point of view. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, chapter 23, uh, Sheriff Breaker is stunned. They tell her that they need lights and that there's a storm. There's a storm brewing outside. It's pushing cars around. And Alan explains the whole taken thing to Sarah about needing flashlights and guns to fight them off. Uh, Sarah tells Barry to call a list of people and tell them all the code word Night Springs uh, as a warning signal. And then Alan tells Sarah that they need to get to Cynthia Weaver Sarah recounts that the only time her dad ever got angry at her was when she made up a rhyme making fun of Cynthia. I'm going to pause for a moment here because if you're thinking that the Night Springs thing is going to come around and pay off in any way, you're wrong. I'm afraid not. I'm afraid afraid not, not, kids. No. No, I'm afraid not. We said, we've said several times so far that this is, this is, um, a better uh, novelization uh, than what we've been dealing with lately. We didn't say it was good. Uh, so. <laughs> better is the operative better. word. Yes. Better is comparative, not a statement of quality. Exactly. <laughs> so just so you guys know. Just so you all know, uh, they run through the town and it is a mess. Uh, Sarah has to kill a man named Tom Egan, and she's bummed out about that. Um, Alan explains how the names of the Dark Presence and the Taken were probably created by him in the story that he wrote for the Dark Presence. Mm-hmm. Um, he also mentions that Rose isn't uh, uh, the Taken, but she was touched by darkness. 
and uh, which is what Alan, the Andersons, and Cynthia are. Like they've all been touched by the darkness as opposed to taken. Yes. Yes. Like they, yeah. They, they're, they're, so they're like haunted in a way, but they're not. They're haunted and they have, they can, they're susceptible to falling under the spell of the dark presence. Right. They're not, they're not just shadow monsters. <laughs> um, so they run through the general store and Alan sees another TV flashing uh, uh, back to how he had to change the story to save Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Barry grabs some stuff in the store and then they have a fight with a bunch of big taken. And during this fight, Barry twirls around and he has Christmas lights all over him. Uh-huh. Um, and he's a big old Christmas ornament just it- <laughs> cutting, cutting his way through the taken. It, I did this happen in the in the game? You've played it, it more recently. Okay, okay, okay. It does. I just to make sure. But the more important thing, and it, it's not in the book. Barry has the Christmas lights around him. What it, the thing that actually is helpful though is he gets a headlamp. So ah, he yes. has a, like a high power headlamp that he puts on his head, and he's everywhere he looks. He's like hitting the shadow people. I do remember. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like it was a weird thing to leave out, but <laughs> yeah, they get to the helicopter. It, <laughs> it was a choice. Um, the Christmas lights save the day. They get to the helicopter. Sarah has to get it operational, but they get around. They get out in the nick of time and fly off. And the chapter ends with a manuscript segment about Mott, uh, who was the kidnapper, looking for Alan and his wife in Stucky's uh, cabins. Yes. Um, chapter 24. As they fly, they talk about the take-in and about how Alan was wrong about Bright Falls being Nowheresville. They talk about New York and how Sarah's dad used to be a cop there. And they also talk about how if this was a movie, Philip Seymour Hoffman would be playing Barry. Uh, rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Barry should be so lucky. He takes offense, and I want to punch him in the head. Like, how I, dare I punch you? him in the, like... Philip Seymour Hoffman, if Philip Seymour Hoffman was able to play anybody, they would be honored. Yes, anybody, anybody. If 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman farted in my kitchen, I would be honored. Like I'm just, I'm just spitballing. If Philip Seymour Hoffman punched me in the dick, I'd be honored. If if Philip Seymour Hoffman adopted my dog and changed its name and backstory in front of me while finger blasting my mom, I'd be honored. So, (laughs) so fuck off Barry with your bullshit. Oh God. Um, (laughs) I appreciate that one. I appreciate that, that whole line of, uh, I was I was just willing to let you see how long you were going to go on that one. I thought, you know, um, I was like, with this one, let's just stick with the rule of three. I think we're good. <laughs> I think we're good. Uh, Alan, so Alan is a bit patronizing to Sarah. Sarah bites his head off over it until Barry breaks the tension, talking about his uh, his parka. Uh, ah, then yes. the crows the crows attack the chopper, causing Sarah to have to set it down. Uh, they gently crash and get out. Uh, it is a gentle crash. It is a gentle crash. This is also not 
how it happens in the book or yeah. in the game at all. Um, in the game, Alan gets out first and then he has to like hoof it and Barry and Sarah go. So there's like a long gameplay segment of Alan just like running through the forest, fighting off Taken. And then he finds he finds Cynthia by himself and then he stops to go rescue out it's like a whole much longer extended sequence i appreciate I, it, yes literally cutting all of it out <laughs> exactly they they did a good job of of condensing it a little bit so yeah uh, totally agree um the the chapter ends with a manuscript segment about the town doctor examining Barra, barry and trying to figure out what's wrong with rose um and also like a hint that he's seen this before. Yeah. Um, chapter 25, they get to the power plant and meet with Cynthia Weaver, who is not very sure about why they're there. She has them prove that they're friends, um, do the secret handshake. Yeah, of course. Cynthia mentions that she remembers the mean stuff Sarah said when she was a kid. Oh, yeah. She brings <laughs> that up too sweet. She's just like, just like, yeah. <laughs> You were an asshole when you were a kid. You know that? It's like, okay, You're a all shitty right. little kid. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's literally what she ends um, up doing. She's like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. So Alan explains uh, the dark presence, and then Cynthia's like, yep, you're the guy. I've been waiting for you for a long time. Um, Cynthia says she has something for Alan in the well-lit room, and she's going to guide them through a pipe that she keeps lit so they can get to it at night. Uh, then she also talks about how Thomas uh, Thomas Zane was wrong to try to write Barbara back into reality. Mm-hmm. And Wake is like, yes, exactly. It needs to be small changes for it to work. Which uh, she goes along with. She goes along. Right. She goes, you know, you might be right. That could work. But in my head, I was like, you're full of shit. There's no way that's going to work. <laughs> I, right. I just It just feels very like hubristic uh, as far right. as. Yeah, I was like, uh-huh, sure, that'll he work. He couldn't do it, but maybe I can. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah. I could probably do it, though, because I'm me. I'm the main character. So, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, he literally is the main character in this situation, but he doesn't he know that. He is the main character, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know that yet. Right. Um, they get to the room, and Weaver is happy to be relieved of duty of watching this one box because some of the light bulbs are about to go out, and she doesn't want to have to change them anymore. Yes. Inside the box. <laughs> Inside the box touch. is a page. And this is the probably the most mindfucky part of Alan Wake, right? Is inside the box is a page from one of Zane's books about Alan and his mom and the clicker, the little yes. light switch thing. Yeah. And yeah. the clicker is inside the box as well. And and Alan has some existential thoughts. So basically, if you want to lay it out, it's Thomas Zane, in order to, once he realized that everything was had gone wrong, he writes himself out of existence. Yeah. And the, the island falls into the lake and nobody remembers him, even though he was a famous author in his day and, and all that stuff. But one of the things that he also does is, is it your understanding that he created Alan? Like... Yeah. If 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 he is writing things and they are coming true, right? Sort of yeah. like the way Alan has to deal with it. If Thomas Zane is writing things and they're coming true, that means he creates 
Allen. Yeah, there's this weird. Yeah, that that was my understanding of it as well. It it made me think a little bit of that Will Ferrell movie, Stranger Than Fiction, mm-hmm. um, where he finds out that he's a character in a novelist's book, and she's planning on killing him at the end of the book, and he has to talk her out of it and all that stuff. Uh, as I recall, really solid movie. Um, but yeah, it has that same kind of overlap of like, am I real? Am I just a character in a book? Uh, which right. they've done before, which uh, which the same author has done before with Max Payne. Sure. So it's it's an interesting, yeah. But that's that was my that was what I picked up on too. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we get a, a manuscript segment at the end uh, about the typewriter Zane used and how Hartman was Zane's writing assistant. Yes. So, food for thought. I guess. I guess. I mean, not really. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like a cracker. It's a yeah. There's a, there's a detail you can enjoy. Put another there's put a, another slice of cheese on that cracker. Put a little yeah, and maybe go ahead and and take some of that crudite and and, and dip it into a ranch. You know, you're gonna love it. You're gonna, you're gonna love, love it. it. You're gonna love the way I crude it. <laughs> you're gonna love the way I crude. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I was going with it, but I'm, I don't I'm don't know if it, it matters. I don't know if it I don't, matters. I don't think it, it matters. It doesn't matter. It was a beautiful moment we shared. I was very pleased. Was very we pleased. shared that moment. We sure did. Wake, so we get to chapter 26, and Wake is walking towards Cauldron Lake after being dropped off by Barry and Sarah because he said he needed to do it alone. Yeah. Um, and there was a false sun in the sky providing daylight for a bit that was created probably by the clicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Wig then takes a truck and the sun is already starting to fade and darkness is returning. Uh, he gets close to the island and has a thought about how Zane bringing Barbara back didn't work because it wasn't believable and that writers aren't God. So... I thought this was interesting because it's kind of like a commentary of like, you can't just write the ending that you want. It has to make sense in the context of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's true. You can't just drop an ending in there without like Thomas Zane wrote an ending. It wrote a story in and we're was like, Barbara's alive again. Right. And yeah. it's like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> It it's it's good writing advice. It it makes sense for the the plot of uh, this particular story. I, I yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Me too. Yeah, I think Stephen King would agree. I think so. He's a uh, agreeable fellow. He's an agreeable fellow. Yeah. A whirlwind forms in the lake, uh, and it's defending uh, the lake from Alan, uh, from him entering it. And Alan then shoots the whirlwind with a flare. And blows it up. Um, yeah. Whirlwind's blown up. Destroys it. Uh, and then he jumps into the lake. Uh, and he sinks down into the water. Uh, into the island with bird leg cabin on it. And while he's sinking, he meets with Thomas Zane. Who talks about how the presence wasn't Barbara. And he tried to kill it by cutting its heart out. Um, yeah. And I was like, that's interesting. Things must have gotten pretty dark there at the end for old Tommy. <laughs> old oh, Tommy. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like that's a story we um, 
we probably probably would want to read at some point just to get the full look at that one. Or maybe we wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, then he introduces Alan to his doppelganger, Mr. Scratch, who will take his place while he's gone. Okay. Okay. Maybe we'll we'll learn more about that in Alan Wake too. I don't I don't know or any yeah. of the other related Alan Wake media that we haven't really absorbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's Mr. Scratch. Don't worry about him, Mr. Yeah, Scratch. Don't, don't, by the way, is, yeah, Mr. Scratch. By the way, is a nickname for the devil. It uh, sure is. It sure is. <laughs> um. Wake approaches the cabin and Jagger is hurling insults at him as he approaches her inside the cabin and everything is like starting to fall apart as she screams at him. Um, And then he grabs her and he thrusts the clicker into the hole in her chest and he clicks it and a bright light forms inside and it just destroys her. Yeah. He goes up to the study and he sits down at the typewriter and he begins to type. Uh, knowing what he needs to write the ending for departure. And that's the end of the chapter, end of uh, the main chapters. We get an Mm -hmm. epilogue at the end uh, where Alice bursts up from the water and is greeted by Sheriff Breaker. And Sarah takes Alice for coffee and fills her in basically on everything that happened. Uh, Fills her in and therefore us. (laughs) And, And us, yeah. And they both agree that Alan is most likely not coming back. And that is the end of the Alan Wake novelization. Mm. Phil, your thoughts? It was fine. It was fine. fine. Um, I think I think there were some really interesting choices made in the adaptation of it. Uh, there were some interesting changes made. The ending, for one thing, um, uh, the the author certainly had a good instinct for a lot of moments that didn't need to be so uh, dogmatic to the source material. Sure. Um, Unfortunately, that isn't the case across the board. As you've pointed out, there are lots of moments where it's like, he shined a light on him, then he shot him. He shined a light on him, then he shot him. And uh, I feel like there were some opportunities that we could have had to really get to know more about Alan himself, we could have had more flashbacks, God forbid, maybe stuff that isn't in the game uh, right. to expand upon that. Um, having s- and, and, and then, of course, we run into the issue of certain things that aren't just aren't going to adapt as well, uh, like the Anderson Farms uh, scene and the um, and the Thresher to a, a lesser extent, which could have been more intense and interesting. Right. Um, right. It feels like rather than. You just you just have to invent some stuff uh, because obviously yeah. in the game, as you know, you play the game and and there, it's a lot of repetition, which you don't mind when you're playing the game because that's just how it works. Um, right. But in the book, you would have had to say, OK, he hid behind this thing and he poured some he knocked over a jerry can of gasoline and stuff that isn't in the book. And when that opportunity arises more often than not, unfortunately, Burroughs doesn't take it. And sure. so it leads to some very samey moments. Um, yeah. Ha- having said all that, uh, it's, it's, it's well-written. Um, it, yeah. it, it was, it was quick enough. I didn't, it didn't, um, drag horribly. No, 
Right. Uh, it just feels like there were some missed opportunities. That's all. Yeah. So what about you, Kev? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. There's some missed opportunities. And one of the things that has been sticking with me ever since I saw it somewhere, I think it was on a subreddit or something like that. might have been on the Alan Wake subreddit that, that, that there was a huge missed opportunity to basically instead of writing an, a novelization of the events of the game, instead finish the departure manuscript yes. and publish that as a book yes. and have it by Alan Wake. And I think because if the departure manuscript is the events of the story, mm-hmm. but it's told from a completely different perspective. And I feel like leaning into that could have been really, really cool. That would yeah. have been that and it would have been something additive to the lore of Alan Wake instead of um a novelization, which is fine, but it doesn't give you any doesn't give you anything. Like if you read the, if you played the game and then you read the book, if you play if you do it close together, the book is gonna seem pretty boring in comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um which you did. Which I did, and I regret doing <laughs> so because the the last half of the book was a little drag. It dragged a little bit for me because I knew it was going to happen, and then I was always a little disappointed in how little it deviated <laughs> yeah. from, from the game. Um, so I think that's kind of my uh, my take on it. In terms of yeah. in terms of it as a book, it's fine. It has some it has some loose threads at the end that are one of those things that are going to be like, oh, I guess that gets answered. I don't know. I'd never played the expansions. I know there's uh, obviously there's the one in control that that's mm-hmm. about Alan Wake. And I know there's a sequel coming out um, next year, maybe I want to say. Yeah. Or this year. Yeah. Some 13 years or something after. Yeah. After the original. Um, <laughs> so. And those might pick up those threads that were kind of left dangling uh, at the end of this here. Um, so uh, ends, but here, to be honest, I'll, I'll make a little uh, pitch. Uh, I, I know, I believe Lore Dump has covered the Remedy verse, um, the, the Remedy games. Um, oh, okay. So if you want to go listen to them now, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to learn more, uh, go over to Lord Dump. Uh, Monty is a friend and, uh, and uh, a friend of the pod. And I think, I think you might find some answers there if you're uh, really, really uh, needing them. That's great. Yeah. That, that would, than, that could be a really nice follow up to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being all said, I don't have <laughs> Google Docs is saying that it doesn't recognize the word doppelganger. I'm like, yeah, come on, guys. Like, come on, do- it's doppelganger. You know, come what it is. on. Um, anyway, now that that's all been said, um, <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty much my entirety of my thoughts on the book. Um, Phil, I have one thing to ask you. Okay. What are you playing? Oh, okay. All right. Hold on. You caught me unawares. Uh, I do. It's a good thing I actually did write some notes down on what I've been playing lately. Um, I, I finished a couple of games uh, the past oh, few okay. days. Um, I finished uh, Killer Frequency. 
um, which you recommended. And uh, yes, I sure did. And I got to say, I think I ruined it for me. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Without, without meaning to, um, because there were certain aspects of it that made me think of some games. And then there were certain aspects of it that made me think of other games. And then when I got into it, it made me, it just, I kept, my brain wouldn't stop comparing it to other games and I just couldn't let it alone. And I couldn't just let it speak for itself, uh, which is no weakness of the game. Uh, The game, uh, you know, from my point of view, you can look at it and and go, this is a, this is a very interesting game. Uh, It's clever. It's fun. It's funny. It's got some good horror elements to it. Some good puzzles. I, I think that's really great. And I did enjoy it. Um, the problem is, is when I looked at uh, it originally, it made me think of this one game that I played last year called Not for Broadcast, mm-hmm. um, which is an FMV game. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, you, it's it's this little British indie studio, and you are the producer on this little television, uh, 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 this TV studio. And uh, you're in kind of this dystopian future and you've got to literally edit and change cameras and stuff like that as uh, as the news segment is going on. You have to make decisions on what kind of shit are you going to share? Are you going to allow this commercial uh, to go up, etc.? Okay. And it's way you'd really enjoy this. Uh, I, I sure. it's fast paced. It's it's kind of stressful, uh, but it's very funny and well done. Um, and I, 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 I'm a, I'm an old man, so I'm a sucker for the occasional piece of FMV. And, um, and so I have that in my head and that is not what you're doing in this game you're a radio DJ. And in fact, they, they're, it kind of annoyed me a couple of times because I would like try very hard to be like, okay, let's make, and the music's going on now (laughs) and got that. And it was totally unnecessary. And then, and I started to realize Oh, it's just kind of window dressing. It's kind of a fun side thing. There's a reason that there is an infinite supply of paper balls next to you that you can toss into the hoop over the There's trash can. There's an achievement for getting a, getting a certain number in the trash can. How high is it? Because I got to 125 and stopped. <laughs> and if I find out it's 126, I'm going to snap. Uh, no, uh. It, it... And... Um, but then... It would get to, and I'd go, oh, okay, just relax. It's a story game more than anything else. Sure. And just, right. But then a call would come on, and I'd go do it, and Peggy, the, the producer, would go, you'd get kind of annoyed with you and be like, hey, could you turn the music off first? And I'm like, oh, who cares? Like, <laughs> who actually cares? Um, it also made me think of Firewatch a lot. Uh, it has a similar yeah. vibe, a similar aesthetic. It, it varies. Um, it does have a similar vibe to Firewatch. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. it's a little bit more... It's a little bit more open-ended than Firewatch. Yes. It like Firewatch is a little bit more on the rails. There's only like what there's only like two or three endings to Firewatch. And yeah. um but yeah, no, I get get what you're saying. It, it yeah. it's it is very it's like your dialogue choices are literally the thing that matter the most right. in the entire right. game. Right. Um, and I and I don't I wasn't fully prepared for how much of a visual novel it could be uh yeah. and so i did i did I, there were a couple of times i was just sitting there going okay and i learned my lesson about like one time it, you basically guys you you get to try to talk different people through ways of avoiding this murderer and there are different ways of going about it and it's different puzzles and that's really fun and super creative and really well done 
Um, right. And then I, but I, I'd accidentally let let one of them die or something, and I, I, you know, quick load like I do, and sure, know, and uh, and I, but then I'd have to go through like ten full minutes of the same dialogue again. Like, oh, right. son of a bitch. Um, I, I feel bad because I looked at it and go, this is a great game, and I, <laughs> and I, my brain won't let it be a good on be its own it merits, is. you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's, and that's yeah. my problem. That's my problem. I, I, sure, I recognize sure, that. Sure. And if any of you dig on clever horror puzzle games and that sort of thing, I, I, with a sense of humor, very eighties. Um, yes. Uh, you know, all that it, it, it's, I think you'll, I think people should really give that one a look. Um, and then today, I actually finished the single-player campaign for Blood Bowl Three. Uh, oh, which I was more than pleasantly surprised to find it had. Uh, <laughs> it was a I, lot of fun. I, you know, I never, I never actually thought about Blood Bowl having, like, I've never actually played uh, one of the campaigns for Blood Bowl. Mm-hmm. I've only just like, I think I've just only played it with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's fun it's um it, it, i you know i have to say i enjoyed it um and i'm probably going to keep playing it because i'm a bud i'm a blood bowl fanatic but i find it hard to recommend to people who are kind of interested now um sure because it really is swamped with microtransactions and um there is something to the season because it's a season game it's football so there's seasons yeah and so it makes sense to like do it that way and have different things you could win and that's that's what's tragic it's like winning stuff and and getting new cool aesthetic pieces for all your players and stuff is right up my alley but after they've asked me for 40 dollars already you know <laughs> it's it's kind of a hard sell, and I'm not going to give them any more money. It's a pain. I guess. I guess you could say if you haven't, if people are have never played Blood Bowl before, yeah. like don't start with this one. Go back. No, to, no. Go to you Blood could, Bowl Two or something. Yeah, you could get Blood Bowl Two, uh, which has all the bells and whistles and everything you want already unlocked on a Steam sale for probably five bucks, and yeah. and get into it that way. I I, I would recommend right. that. Because those yeah. those the first two were great, uh, but that's yeah that's what I've been playing. That's that's me. Uh, what what about you, Kevin? What have you been playing? Okay, so um, I guess I talked about I guess I talked about Homebody last week, right? Uh, yeah, I think I did. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. So I am still playing Dave the Diver. It's one of those games that just seems like it, there's just a lot of stuff to do in it. It's like sure. I want to say the more I play it, the more I'm like, oh, it's, I don't, it's not like Stardew Stardew Valley, but in terms of like, there's a lot of things to do in the game and it's kind of chill. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like that in, 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 but instead of farming, you're a diver who is catching fish for a sushi restaurant. Um, So I'm still playing that. Um, Let's see. I installed and started playing Bramble the Mountain King. Um, ah, okay. Which seems seems cute so far. Um, cute and and like and we're like okay, I can see how this could get terrifying or unnerving rather quickly. Um, and uh, yeah, I I started playing Fear and Hunger again, 
Um, uh, yeah. Why? 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 Um, <laughs> why? Okay. So I blame Super Eye Patch Wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because totally he so months ago he did that video on yeah. fear and hunger and a, a, after the video I was like oh I'm gonna try this and I played it for like twenty minutes ten minutes maybe and I was like nope done with this but then he started streaming fear and hunger um and I, I, watching him stream it I started to like started to get a little bit more understanding about the game's mechanics and things like that. So I started playing it, and uh, I actually have been doing pretty well. Um, so one of the things where it's like, oh, you have a 30-minute time limit to start the game to get this one character. Like, the whole purpose of of, of the game is, is, is getting in to find this guy, Lagarde, right? Mm -hmm. Who is in the dungeons of Fear and Hunger. But if you wait longer than 30 minutes, he'll, he'll be dead. Yeah. I've been able to regularly... I've, I'm familiar enough with like the first people call it like the first half of the game, um, even though it's under 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I'm familiar enough with that in terms of like, I think it's just in terms of like the amount of map you cover in that mm -hmm. 30 minutes. I'm familiar enough now that I can uh, consistently get down to Lagarde uh, before okay. the 30 minute timer is up. Like I know when I like, and I also like, okay, I know how to fight the guards. I know how to like, uh, to deal with the the enemies that are that are out there, um, so I'm I'm every time you play it, you learn a little bit more, a little bit more, and then and you know you're careful. You gotta like you know save you save at certain points, um, and uh, I had a really good run going, and then um, I ran into a guard and uh, my guy uh, whiffed on his his attack to chop the guard's uh meat cleaver the arm that's holding the meat cleaver off and on the first attack if you don't do that the guard is going to chop off one of your limbs ah. and it's just like all right well you can continue <laughs> playing with with only one arm but you know you did, you don't want to lose a limb that early in the run so anyway yeah. fear and hunger um because <laughs> I am, uh, that's, that's me. Uh, that's, that's who I am. I don't um, know anyone who plays more punishing games than you, Kevin. <laughs> maybe, maybe I just got to get out more. And to be fair, I, I thought about this the other day. I thought about, about maybe writing an essay about that, about like, what is a punishing game really? Uh, because sure. I'm probably one of the last people alive who still fires up banished on the regular to chill out. Um, and right. darkest dungeon and, and now aliens, dark descent and shit like that. Those are, those are very punishing games that I love. I just, you, I'm just more passively involved in those, I guess. I don't actually have to, sure. you know, <laughs> pull the button, hit the button to swing the sword, you know? There's like, yeah, there's like a degree of, um, separation in those. Yeah. Um, since they're like darkest dungeon is like, you're not. It's not about like split second decisions in Darkest Dungeon, right? right. It's it's kind of like you have time to think about what's happening. And also Darkest Dungeon's whole thing is like, yeah, shit's going to go wrong. You know, just yeah. get it. Go recruit a new dude and get back in there. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it'll be better this time, but probably not. 
Uh, sort of like what that what was that tiny folk um, is very similar to, to Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, you, you recommended yeah. that game last year. Um, I, I like that yeah. one too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the other game that I've been playing, I've been playing it uh, since yesterday. Is um, is my friendly neighborhood? Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I, my friendly neighborhood got on my radar last year when I I know Markiplier played it and I think uh, the Scary Game Squad played it on um, on Jesse Cox's channel. Okay. Um, let me see. Scary Game Squad. My friendly. I could have looked this up beforehand, but I didn't. You know. Eh. Eh. Um, eh. Eh. No, they didn't. It was Mark Plyer and John Wolf. Uh, okay, play it. Um, played it. So anyway, they um, basically you are uh, the basic plot of the game is uh, there is a broadcast tower above an old studio that was like a Sesame Place, Sesame Street type of studio um, that has reactivated. And it's starting to interfere with the television signal, like all the other television station signals. And like what's coming in and out are just like um, the camera feeds from the My Friendly Neighborhood Studios, which is just so there's like these puppet mascots just going. Um, you play the engineer, uh, the repairman who is go going into the studio to figure out how to fix it. And you have your, you have your work order right off the bat. It's like disable the broadcast tower at the top of the, uh, building. That's all you got. It's like, oh, okay. That's what, all you got to do. And things get complex, complicated from there. So <laughs> the studio is filled with these sentient living mascots and puppets uh who have lost their lost their marbles they are not in a good way they are talking about how they want to bash people's brains in when sure. they see you they chase after you like ah, give me a hug but when they give you a hug they like squeeze the life out of you uh, <laughs> and throw you to the ground um so it, that's kind of like the plot stuff. Okay. The gameplay is basically, it's like a Resident Evil game. Full stop. It's it's basically huh. a Resident Evil. It's like, it's kind of like RE7. Resident Evil 7 is, is probably the closest analog, I could say, to my friendly neighborhood. Because Resident Evil 8 is a little bit more action-oriented than yeah. Resident Evil 7. Um, Resident Evil 7 is more of like a throwback to the first three games, um, but from a first-person point of view. So if, it, if there's any comparison, I would say it's, it's, it's kind of like Resident Evil 7, except you are uh, running around shooting Elmo in the face with a letter gun. Hmm. So, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you yeah, had me at letter gun. <laughs> uh, first, you had my curiosity. Now you have <laughs> now my, you attention. Have my attention. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. All right. Uh, 
so yeah, that's it though. That's that's what I've been playing. That is Real. that is what I have been playing. Um, so that'll do it. But before we go, Phil, can you tell us where people should go? What internet island should people set their their browser sales for uh, oh. to go to? Oh, I think what they probably need to do is go to patreon.com slash pixelitpod. Uh, patreon.com slash pixelitpod. And would you like to know why they should go there, Kevin? Why should they go there? Because not only can they support you and me in our endeavor to keep this show running uh, for another 20 years, let alone another two, uh, they can actually, if they join on the right tier, get access to all kinds of cool bonus material, the first episode of which has been released. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while, and we finally did it. Uh, we have a bonus episode. We have begun uh, reviewing and uh, and and and, and uh, uh, recapping the Legend of Zelda cartoon show from 1989. Uh, we've got uh, we've started with the first episode, The Ringer. We talk a little bit about uh, the episode, what happens in it. Uh, we make fun of the author's name. Uh, it's pretty great. Uh, Mr. And, Bob uh, Forward. Mr. Bob Forward, and uh, and we put together. I put together a little uh, video. Uh, to go with it so you can kind of watch some of the, uh, the the action in the episode that we're talking about as it happens. And we're actually working on, uh, we've got a few of those coming down the line and we're working on our uh, Games of the Year for 1997 uh, video series, which we'll be picking up not long after that finishes. So yeah. there's cool stuff happening. Uh, so please join us at patreon.com slash pixelitpod. Do it today today run don't walk uh <laughs> otherwise uh if you really want to help us out uh, follow us on twitter and instagram at pixelitpod uh also give us uh five stars or thumbs up or what have you on the podcast platform of your choice if it doesn't have a rating system then don't do anything because there's nothing for you to do yeah, you're fine. Um, but you're fine. You're exempt. But if you find yourself on on Spotify and you want to give us five stars, uh, go for it. You know, it, yeah. Every every little bit it helps. Otherwise, yeah. uh, go to our website, pixelitpod.com. There, you can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, you can find links to our Discord. Um, come on over to the Discord. Say hi. We're there. We're friendly. We chat. Um, and and uh, otherwise. That's that'll that'll do it. That'll do it for for tonight's show. So uh, have a good night, everybody, and stay stay frosty with Mr. Scratch. Bye. <laughs>